Blog Talk Radio. Say it radio. Yeah. I. Tell me your mind just said. Yeah. Play the song over plan. Yeah. Speaking on the world. Speaking on the topics. Y'all better not be flocking. No. Should know how we rocking. If you got any statements, then you better leave a comment. Just say it. 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 Radio. I'm Miss Sandy. It is Monday, May 20th, 2019. We have a great show for you guys tonight. We got Shy. If y'all don't know who that is, it's a throwback group from the, gosh, that's the 90s, early 2000s, back when music spoke to your heart, your soul, your body. Oh, can't wait to get them on tonight. We got my co-host, Nicole. How you doing, girl? Hey, girl. I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. You sound like you're under the weather. Uh, you know my my schedule. Yeah, <laughs> I need a few. Give me a few minutes. I'll wake up. <laughs> okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. Y'all, this has been a very, very crazy week. Before I get into that, if you do not understand Say It Radio, you're not familiar, Say It Radio is just a form where we have open, honest conversations. In order to deal with, uh, no, in order to get to the solutions, real solutions, have real options, we have to have real discussions. And we may agree, we may disagree, we may agree to disagree. But in order to create solutions, we got to have the conversation. So this is what we do on Say It Radio. Do not censor any calls. So if you want to call in, you want to use a fake name, by all means, use your fake name. Call in 646-668-2574. Or you just want to listen and be nosy. We so appreciate y'all. Organic listeners are very high. You can go to Blog Talk, which is blogtalkradio.com backslash the hour show or go to our website d-hournetwork.com say it radio on miss sandy ah we got a great show as i said before shy is going to be on we're going to get caught up with them the you know where they been you know they got some new music out what's going on with them get caught up uh let's go venture back in the past Back when things are a little bit more simpler. Now I want to talk about the bullshit that's going on right now. You know, the state, you know, Alabama just passed. Um, basically, you know, no woman can get an abortion in their in their state, no matter what the reason. Um, rape, incest. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see what you guys um, have to your thoughts about this. Uh, my thoughts personally. I, I, I'm not God, so I can't tell someone to do, what to do with their body, you know. And I don't know their situation. I've not walked in their shoes. I don't know. Um, and to take those options and choices away from women is unfair, especially 
in a government aspect. You know, um, there's, there's, it's just like there's so much control of what women can do and what women cannot do in regards to their body, the, you know, the sexuality, where men seems like they get more of a leadway, more, I don't know, like Viagra. Viagra, that, you can buy that on public assistance with that Medicaid or something. You can get that. And uh, and I don't get the double standard. You know, I mean, if if, it, if you can't get a hard dick naturally, you shouldn't be able to create one with a pill. You know what I'm saying? I just, I, 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 you know, I just, I don't get the double standards. I don't know if that even makes sense. Um, you know, I just don't know what, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I don't get, you know, how government feels they should be able to control and be the deciding factor about what a woman should do in the event she finds out she's pregnant. And even Georgia, state of Georgia, they passed that um, that bill, was it um, Heartbeat, that, you know, after um, um, a certain amount of weeks, which is six weeks, a woman can't have an abortion. But let me, um, let me read this to you guys. And then this is about the first trimester. And I'm going to Google this. Google is my friend, and I'm definitely going to Google this. I'm trying to understand why. Here it is. Uh, first trimester. Okay, first trimester. Now, you know, I'm, I'm really irritated by um, several states. Um, Taking this option of away from women, you know, I'm obviously a pro-choice person. Um, I, because I'm not. Uh, you got to do what's best for you. I do believe, you know, women we should not be able to have an abortion further along in the pregnancy, uh, especially when there's, you know, we got so many preventive things we can do to prevent it, but things happen. And let me read this first trimester. First trimester stages. The first trimester begins on the first day day of your last period and lasts until the end of week 12. This means that by the time you know for sure you're pregnant, you might already be five or six weeks pregnant. Boom. And at that point, when you first realize you're pregnant, before you have a, you could really make a firm decision on whether or not you're healthy enough to carry the baby, whether or not you want the baby, whether or not anything. In the state of Georgia, you already exhausted your time limit of, of trying to have an abortion. To me, in order to make a firm, educated decision, you have to know the facts. You got to know the facts. So if you do not know the facts, you cannot make a good decision. So you can make, you know, guesstimates, estimates, you know, and that's that's not that's not right. You're just taking, you know, options away from women in the hopes of doing what? Creating more kids that 
are going to be brought up in a situation where they're not wanted, they're not well received, they can't afford, or a bad situation. I just, you know, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And if you know if any of these these um, these laws or is making sense to other people, and you are in agreeing, agreeing with them, call in because I definitely want to talk to you personally because I just don't understand. I mean, even as a mother, you know, I have one adult son and one almost adult son, and, you know, at the end of the day, their decisions are going to be their own decisions, whether I like them or not. All I could do is educate them and hope that whatever they're doing is going to be best for them. I can help guide, you know, them. I'm not, I can't, I just don't, I don't get it. You know, when you ban this, then women that find themselves pregnant, you know, after a missed period, and they realize they can't get the proper, you know, maybe procedure done to terminate the pregnancy, there's going to start that back alley stuff. You know what I'm saying? These, you know, wrong methods that will put not only her, the woman at risk, but everything else. It's just, it's just I think, opening up a whole – to fix the problem, they're going to create more problems. This is my opinion. I know Nicole, she needs to wake up. I get it, and honey. I so appreciate you still calling in and um and wanting to be a part of the show. I so appreciate that. But I'm just really irritated with this whole this whole thing and a lot of control that our government is it's not a democracy at all. It is like a dictatorship. We are transforming into a dictatorship society, country where you're not free to make your own decisions. And if you are, you're greatly penalized. That doesn't make any sense. Do you? What's your thoughts about that? I know you've kind of been MIA from social media and everything. Yeah, but I still watch the news. But I, um, I think that's, it's unfair. And what's even more messed up is that it's men writing these laws um, and they're probably men who were making babies, and because they were chasing their careers, they probably missed out on their kids' lives anyway. Um, I I have read a few things, a few articles where um men um their reaction. Like I saw one in particular, I did peek my head into um, Instagram for a quick second just to post a picture um, of my son in his eighth grade dance, and I scrolled mm-hmm. through real quick, and um, I saw one of my friends uh, posted something about it, and I read in the comments where a guy um, you know, we all went to high school together and he talked about how he had two women, um, well, girls, I guess he, when he was like 17 and 19, um, they took the, his opportunity from him of being a father by having abortions because they, they felt like they wasn't ready or it wasn't the right time in their life. 
and he was really resentful um toward the toward the ladies now about that the fact that um basically they took that option away from him without discussing it with him they just made the choice and um, he was just saying, you know, basically, once he goes to heaven, then, you know, hopefully his babies are waiting for, you know, at the gate to give him a hug because, you know, that that option was taken away from him. And so he was like, basically, miss me with with what y'all talking about. I don't think that is fair. I, and honestly, I don't even think that that guy even has children today. And so it's kind of, it's a lot of mixed emotions um, that I, that I read in the comments of that, um, of that posting. <laughs> but then there's the flip side of the guys who don't want to be fathers or you go through with the pregnancy and then the guys check out and like I and I also have another friend who she was she was dating a guy and she had um he had no children um and she had a baby for him and uh they they got married and then they ended up breaking up and he basically he because he was upset with her he broke up with his daughter too you know so and he's been in and out of his daughter's life hasn't been consistent and this is his only child and so since then she's been very angry and resentful towards him because I guess at the time she had one child and she was okay with just having that one child. She only had another baby because he didn't have any. He wanted one. And so, you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's like a – I'm pro-choice as well. I mean, I don't – I'm like under that whole thing. As long as it ain't affecting me, I don't care. But you not – how are you going to tell me what to do with my body? And medically, how can you tell me that I have to go through with this when basically this could possibly kill me? And that's not fair. You know, it's not fair. And it's so interesting you saying that a lot of these um, these laws, these people trying to pass these laws, they're men. Are and they're, you know, one of mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's in the ABC um, news, it was reported, um, when was this reported? The anti-abortion rep, Tim Murphy, resigned after report he asked Lover to end pregnancy. Pennsylvania rep, Tim Murphy, has resigned after report surfaced earlier this week that he had an extramarital uh, lover Mm. to end her pregnancy. Murphy, a Republican who co-sponsored a 20-week abortion ban that passed in the House Tuesday, allegedly asked his lover to terminate her pregnancy, according to text messages acquired by Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. So, and this was reported, this is actually back in 2017. So my thing is, you know, what I've noticed about a lot of people 
and they 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 take a strong stance is because about something say like the abortion ban or the ten the they've done some dirt and some shit in their past, mm-hmm. and they don't want to repent themselves. In order to repent mm-hmm. themselves, they want to make everybody else pay for their sins. You mm-hmm. just, you do you. You know what I'm saying? You don't worry mm-hmm. about when we we get to the pearly gates when we get to judgment day. We are going to be judged by our own sins alone. You know, don't take your guilt and your whatever that is out on other people. You know, I know I noticed that too when when some people talk so badly about gays or you this and you want to call them faggots and this and that. Usually, people that have that much hatred, they themselves are dealing with that sexual energy they're trying to fight. So instead of dealing with it. They, they def they deflect it. Do you know what I'm saying? They, uh-huh. they, you know. What I'm saying? So it's, it's and so you ever get that? It's like a, it's like a transfer of emotions. Because I'm mad, I'm gonna make you mad. Because I'm miserable, I'm gonna make you miserable. Because I did a lot of dirt in my past, I'm gonna make you pay and for the dirt I did. That way, I can make myself feel better. This shit is wrong. Uh-huh. That is yours and yours alone. Yeah. You deal with it, you face it, and you can get through it. But to put your guilt and your anger out on other people for other people to absorb as their own is not right. Yeah. It's not right. I know yeah. it's not right. It's still messed up. And, uh, yeah, because it. it Honestly, I mean, basically, like all a lot of these laws that they're passing, it, it later comes out that most of these men in Congress <laughs> have done dirt, and now, yeah, they're trying to repent it or cover it up. Um, but it's a shame that they can; they are quick to pass the ban on abortion, but they won't ban guns for nothing in this world. They won't touch it. <laughs> so they'll they'll let they'll let their own basically go shoot up the whole country and they will not touch them gun laws. But heaven forbid you human you lives matter. But murder a unborn baby or whatever and oh, you're dirt. So, you know, it's just real messed up. It's real messed up. It's just it's no, so no. sad. It's so sad what this country is coming to. Uh, it's like a bittersweet of being an American right now because this country is just going to shit, and it sucks. So, you know, yeah. that's my stance. That's my stance on it. It's, it's, it really, really sucks, and we've become like a mockery of the world, and it's, it's so sad. I mean, hell, I can see why some people have an abortion. Who want to bring a damn baby into this world right now? It's terrible. You're right. Yeah, it's terrible. It really is. So You know, and I, I just, it is, I it, it is. It makes my stomach turn, you know, and, but, you know, it also makes my stomach turn to see that, like, it seems like a lot of people carrying around a lot of hate and a lot of anger, and um, I don't know. I, you know, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. 
Oh, y'all, say it radio. I'm Miss Sandy. That's Nicole. We got three, two, three. You on with say it radio? You know, I'm hoping it's shy. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping oh, it is. Oh, you talking it's... to me? Yes, I'm yes, Garfield. yes, sir. I didn't know I was able to be heard. I, they told me I was just listening in. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, this Garfield from Shy. I was calling in. I'm a couple of minutes early. Oh, my gosh. What's going on? I heard oh, you talking about the realness this world right now. Yeah. yeah no doubt. Yeah, it's amazing because, yeah. you know, Marvin Gaye talked about this and, you know, the same state of affairs, you know, when he had what's going on and, you know, music, you know, is going and changed and morphed. It's still the same, you know, this ain't living, you know, all that is the same, you know, talking about the same exact issues, you know, 40, 50, 60 years later and stuff like that. So, you know, we you have to interrogate what it is out here. Yeah. And, you know, and even other little things like I don't know, George Orwell wrote this book called 1984, you know, they're talking about the you know, new speak and all the different things where they can make a crew of people be your enemy and in the next war, those same people will be your friends. Like, it's the same situation, musical chairs of who they want you to prescribe you to hate and love. And, you know, it's like so driven by programming. And a lot of people aren't critically mm-hmm. thinking out here and they just kind of doing the clone following move. And I think Erica Badu tried to illustrate that, you know, with window seat and stuff. So, you know, just... It's, it's a clone mentality, and people aren't really thinking for themselves. And one of the main diseases that we have, you know, is the fact that, like, we we leave it up to everybody else to do it. Like, nobody's been out in space, so how do we know everything that they're saying is true? We just let them handle that. And then we, you uh-huh. know, oh, they, got, they got it, you know, they got it. You know, all facets of life, you know, they got it. We just, nobody's inventing their own things or interrogating their own things, and, and we suffer for that. You know, we suffer for that kind of ignorance and lack of knowledge. And it, and it plagues us. And then another thing we got to be real with is, you know, being an enslaved people for over four, 400, 500 years, even the most sane of us are mentally effed up. Like we are, as a people, we can't be healthy mentally, even those who are coping well and that are considered, like I just got my PhD in educational policy and all that kind of stuff. I'm considered smart and intelligent and all that. Oh, thank you. But to, to be normal in this society that's abnormal, you know, um, most definitely, Tyler Kweli said it best. You know, um, in this abnormal, um, how do you say, it? in this abnormal normality, like um, you know, living like Mickey and Mallory in this abnormal normality, like um, normality, like we all sick right now, and we're not really addressing the degree to which to be normal now is to be perverse in um, in terms of dealing with it, because their normal is a perverse structural normal. You know, what's been normalized is perverse, and to be able to swim in that milieu. Is to to be able to adapt to that is to be functionally adapted to some insanity. Um, your boy Jamiroquai said virtual insanity. Like there's so many songs that speak into this because it's oozing out of people's souls because they're feeling it. Even if they don't have the vocabulary mm-hmm. or the words, people know that something ain't right. But you know you got to live day to day. So this dichotomy of we got to survive and live, dealing with this capitalistic global capitalism and all of its collateral damage. That's one thing, but then you have the spiritual piece that's inside of you that's screaming that this shit ain't right. So, you know, and you toggle back and forth between between trying to find some kind of semblance of sanity outside of the capitalistic system, which is amoral because business and money has no morality. It just knows the bottom line. And unfortunately, paying bills and paying your rent is into that. So you got to get a job and, you know, maintain your life. But at the same time, your spiritual side your 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 inside is your transcendent self is saying 
You know, I don't live just for that. You know, it's like there's something more to me. And those two are constantly in battle because you want to be that spiritual self. You want to be the self that's true to a paradigm that's outside of this capitalism. But you are forced to maintain a livelihood so you can eat. And, um, you know, and, and people don't really believe that there's abundance. You know, they're selling us that the planet, you know, don't have any more resources and all these lies. Like, I used to be in a nation, and I learned something called actual facts. And the, the, the area, the area in square miles of the planet Earth is 196,940,000 square miles. And of that, the land is 57,255,000 square miles. And within that, there's 29 million square miles of useful land. And so you mean to tell me out of that 29 million square miles, people only use in the civilized parts of the Earth where commerce takes place is only 6 million square miles. And those are on the coastlines of most areas. The interior of all these places is not being used because commerce is in the port places where ships can come up and bring product. And jobs and cities kind of spring up on those areas. So we're being sold a delusion when we think that there's not enough product or useful land out there for us. And so we, we fall into the trap of believing because what? They got it. They fed us this information and we go by the logic that they gave us instead of really interrogating it on our own. And we fall into the trap of, of that. And so we have these false baselines that we build off of that aren't true in the first place and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just a, it's a cycle that continues in all aspects. And we're, we're, we're kind of delusional without being, you know, without realizing it, you know, even the most smart and the most sane of us, you know. And so, you know, it's, it's just a lot. You know, I just heard y'all talking about abortion and who want to bring somebody in this world. And that just got me, you know, started. So I didn't mean to come in with this heavy stuff. But, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. That's what, let me tell you something. I'm Miss Sandy. That's Nicole. And I say it radio. This is honest conversation. We don't censor anything because our conversations get heated. But the whole thing is in order for us to come up with a real solution, we got to have the real, we have to have to talk. We got to discuss things. Like I'm, I'm you know, and I think mostly part Blacks, and I'm a black woman, we are so against each other. We don't follow that grain of thinking. We get the most heat. And what brings to mind was like Kanye. When Kanye, you know, put the red hat on and this and that. And and even when you, there's, an, I'm here in the Chicagoland area, there was a high school students, white kids, that put the black mask on, and people are upset because you know what that represents. Me, I have a different mindset. My thing is, if you reply to a clown, you you uh, react to a clown, you become a willing participant in their circus. I'm not going to absorb you took that person, that you that individual took time to go buy a black substance paint and then put it on their face to get a reaction out of me? Never will. Never will. The, you, yeah, I feel like we live in the midst of <laughs> In a time where it's like the misinterpretation of opposite, where opposite always means versus mode as opposed to complementary opposite. So you got man versus woman nowadays. You got black versus white. You got, when really the humanity part of it doesn't speak. So if you look at this nature, or if you look at geometry or shapes, you know you got a, a right triangle. You know got a ninety degree angle and two forty five degree angles. You don't have those angles saying that my angle is better than yours. They just all equal up to one eighty, and that's just the shape. You know, saying they all complement. Like if you was to, you know, stand and see above a circle and look at the above you, um, if you are actually on the actual plane of it, you'll look across. It looks like those people are moving to the left and you're moving to the right and you look like y'all moving opposite. But if you raise up to above, y'all all moving in the same direction and y'all are part of the same one. 
And so, like, mm-hmm. it's an opposition has been fed to us in a, in a way that we are interpreting as versus when it's actually complementary. And we setting up systems based off that binary where black is totally opposite of white. So if white gets ascribed these idealistic qualities, then by law, by logic, then black must be the inverse proportional piece to that, which sets up a binary that's just wrong. You know what I mean? So and we fall into it because it seems logical to certain people. And it's just like, you know, what about the eye test? You know what I'm saying? What about what you're feeling? Like, like you can't quantify that, so it don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so we got to start questioning what is so what is known now as rational thought. You know, rational thought is linear thought. It's devoid of the part of the self that feels. And so feel is being demoted as something that's less than rational. Rational is supreme. But rational thought is just like money, it, you know, capital thought. It's, it's leaving out a big part of the narrative. And we sold people. The soul is above and beyond rational thought. You look at our ancestors. They believe in, you know, our African ancestors believe in ancestors, which collapses time. Like, they really believe the presence of people from back in the day still is in your presence right now, which means the past, present, and future is just one. You know what I mean? So there is no linear progression. There ain't no gully where past is this big void, and then you skip over to present, and then this big void, and you skip over to future. You know, it's all of one now. And uh, we, we have a problem really understanding and feeling and going with, going based off what our intuition is, is actually screaming at us. You know what I'm saying? We're we so caught up into a, a linear mathematical scientism approach that we being devoid of spirit. And spirit is the transcendent one. That's the one we got to start dealing with. And that's the one that you automatically know. When you walk into a room, you see a, feel a negative energy, it screams at you. You know it's there, you know, no matter what kind of mm-hmm. suit and tie it might have on. You know, but you know, you know, look at somebody's credentials and feel like that's they right and exact and they even better than you type of thing. Like you gotta really, we gotta start really going by our intuition more than we more, more than we have, because you know we being led astray with this rational world, which is basically monetized. It's based on capital, and capital knows nothing but the bottom line. Like capital is what allows people in sweatshops to be ten years old in China making Nike shit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because right. in the capital world, a success is I saved money. And um, I got the product made. That's successfulness in capitalism. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So in real world, though, ethics, that's some fucked up shit. Like, yo, you know what I'm saying? So we got to be able to look at that and see what the what the, what the the rift actually is and then make an ethical decision on what's right, you know, on, on those levels. Because we're so money-driven, you know what I mean? Like we got got distorted some kind of way along the line. But I know? also think I also think we're angry. We are so, we are, like, we're so angry. Yeah. And when you when you're angry, you feel with that. Yeah, we, we you cannot like everything you take is offensive. Instead of thinking, like at some point, I want us to stop. We got to stop. Not you know, I want to stop being angry. You know, I yeah, got to stop being angry. I you you know you can't we can no matter what we do you cannot change the past. No like the past in your own your own life. Your parents' life, the ancestors, you know, Kanye West, a huge Kanye West fan. And when he said, you took us how many years to get out of slavery? Because when they had your mind, they had you think, right. doubt yourself. Well, we still in so slavery. That's, that's, my, that's my point. We are, slavery. yeah, that's the thing. We're still yeah. in, we are still enslaved. And a lot of, like, when we talk now, it's like, you shouldn't be talking like that. It's like, master coming, don't say that. Yeah, why people going to think this? Why people going to think that? Why? I'm like, Oh my gosh! <laughs> These are your own. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of conditioning. That's a lot oh of yeah, very conditioned. 
Hey, um, Garfield. Garfield, this is Nick. Yo. Um, so listen, last week our topic was toxic masculinity. Um, what what are your thoughts about that? Because it was well, like a, it all, was a great oh, debate, bad. a great conversation that we had, and I, I just need more men to weigh in on it to help women help us understand what what you what you think about that. Okay, I'll preface it first of all by saying that on these types of things, I do not portend or pretend to be some kind of authority, but I do have maybe mm-hmm. some kind of insight or opinion that's just coming from my own experiences. So, you know, I hate when mm-hmm. people put themselves on the pedestal in these male-female things, like their way is the one. Like, I hate that. Mm-hmm. But since you asked me, um, masculinity is, is um, uh, there's been a misunderstanding in terms of, like, it being this homogenous piece. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a mas- there's a, a S at the end of that, masculinities, because masculinity is a performance. You know what I mean? And um, you can perform masculinity. You can, there are females who are performing masculinity. You know, people, you know, that could be straight or gay, and they're still performing a certain type of masculinity in, in their thing. Same thing as femininity. It's not a byproduct of your biological appendage, is what I'm saying. And so within that, there's different sensibilities. And so, you know, there's the that, like that macho type of masculinity. You know, that's one performance of it. You know what I mean? That men or women have learned to project and there's a continuum. Just like I'll be got 16 shades of black, there's all these shades of masculinity that creates a plural, masculinities. So toxic is just like anything that's toxic. It's just something that is out of proportion um, with reality in terms of, you know, with, with, the, with the actual, um, you know, in terms of interrelatability with others. And so, you know, those, it's an imbalance, basically, what I'm saying. So within any of those pieces of masculinity, it, it could be an imbalance. And that could be based on whatever but as it shows up you know it, it could it could be harmful you know the word toxic just like relationships you know that are toxic where the couples are you know there's mental and physical damage and stuff like that it gets toxic and people might need to remove themselves well a performance of what you call masculinity could become that same thing so i agree that could definitely be the case um but the person that has to really identify that is the person that's performing it you know so the, the people outside of that person can just like a drug addict, somebody can be like, "Yo, you need to go to rehab." You know what I mean? Just, and you might be like your girl that was like, "No, no, no," right? But the person can mm-hmm. be talked about and shown that, but they can't help be helped unless they want it, unless they want to actually go to those processes. And wanting it is to actually see that it's tr- true on you that you are projecting that toxic masculinity, or you know whatever the case may be. Like the person has to actually see that is what I'm saying. So people outside of them that they are affecting can raise the red flag and show them to the letter how you are affecting me. But unless that person opens their eyes and is open-minded enough to see that that piece matters, then, you know, that situation will stay the same. You know what I mean? And um, so the label of toxic is very real in terms of like going forward, how you address that. It really depends on the person that is, that is, you know, is mostly projecting that toxicity. And so, but sometimes it's, it's the society. Well, it always like, starts at the society women, level. Like we are byproducts of society. Like, like, right. That's the systemic well, aspect. Women like well, there's incongruences. It's like sometimes when when a guy shows emotions, you know, like, and I you have a, a girl from of mine from um, Georgia from New York, and she said when, it, when the moment a man shows you that he's human, 
you want to disconnect, and then all of a sudden he's a bitch or he's this, he's that. And a lot of women have that kind of mentality. Like, for whatever reason, a, lot a man of shows don't. he's vulnerable. And yeah, there's a lot of women that don't. But the the ones like we had a call. Oh, I was we had a caller. Um, there's a lot of men. Um, oh, lot of sorry, men. Go ahead, love. I, I, no, I don't mean to cut you off. I just had a, <laughs> I was on a roll. No, but, just go, go ahead and make your point. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We had a caller oh, that called well, in, and he was he was he, he was no he it was last week. He had a call. We had a caller called in, and he was against the whole uh, term toxic masculinity, and he, he disagreed with it. But at the same time, he said there was certain things he wouldn't. Tell his girlfriend or her, you know. I said, well, why not? He said, if I did, she gonna look at me as a bitch. Now I, I want to be looked at that way. I said, well, that's that toxic masculinity. You should be able to talk to the woman that you love in a vulnerable sense without her looking at you less than a man. You know what I'm saying? Well, how that's do you talk that. To your mom, like, how do you feel? You know, like it, it's more like it, it's just it's a security thing on one on one you know on one side of it. It could be a security issue or how they perceive what that is. Some men might be more secure um, and not feel like that they could be labeled as a quote-unquote bitch and, and be in touch with their feelings enough to be able to express mm-hmm. a tear, you know, and, and still but feel like I'm the most masculine. how many men do you know that are there. like that? How many men that you know that, that are, are like that? that? I, know, I know a lot of brothers who are like really, um, you know, that would be considered to the average cat, you know, athletes, uh you know, like hardcore kind of cats on just regular dudes who who are secure enough in themselves that they, you know, that they're like, like matter of fact, a lot of cats nowadays that are friends that are really close with each other, a lot of my friends, a lot of my son and, you know, my, my, my other siblings, they'll tell each other, yo, bro, I love you, man, because we know that this time and day and age, you know, is, is, is serious to the point of where that's what's missing. So brothers are secure enough in a lot of ways. There's a trend with brothers who owns, you know, ain't nothing sweet over here type of thing. But, yo, to tell somebody you love them, it, it means something more than, it, you know, in, in terms of, like, not asking that and not feeling like a bitch, you know what I mean? But there's still mm-hmm. some people who struggle with that, you know what I mean? But I don't know, like, but even those people who are able to do that, there are other aspects that could be so-called toxic and people who don't struggle with that. Like, so there's different areas in people's makeup based on how they were raised and based on what their sensibilities are. Um, you know, that they might even display emotion, but there's still certain aspects of themselves that they aren't clear or sure about that kind of like shows up as toxic to some other people from the outside looking in. So, you know, those labels um, is, are situational and they can be looked at um, as, as such, like, you know, in your eyes, from, when you notice that happening, there's byproducts of that that can be toxic. Um, but at the, by the same token, you know, people can grow. People can feel a certain way in this situation where they can't do that, but in other situations they might feel it. So it's, it's hard to, like, have a universal label that one size fits all kind of thing that you evenly apply across the board without running into a couple of issues, slippery slope issues, where it's not quite fitting, um, you know, because, you know, it's toxicity is just an incongruence, man. Like, you know, from, from your perception of reality and what actually is going on, in terms of your your, your relations or people are feeling um, coming from you, and there's always a, a, a you know your identity and your image, a lot of times aren't the same. You know what I mean? How you perceive yourself and how others see you, it comes down to that. You know what I mean? And you know a lot of times those aren't lockstep. Your image might not be exactly what you feel your identity is. You know what I'm saying? 
And you mm. might be considered delusional when you tell somebody who I think I am, and they're like, nah, bro, you the... Right? So that's other people's perception, and there's not a lot you can do. And then that kind of shapes how you perceive yourself as you are in your early stages of identity development. And that might color the way that you grow, you know what I mean? So, you know, it's a lot of things that go into it more than just this guy has some kind of problem or, you know, it's a lot of factors, like you say, society, you know, top down and, you know, like people want to blame hip hop for like um, being um, um, misogynistic and stuff like that. But look at society as a whole and how it deals with women um, on a major, uh, the structural level, the big structural level. It's it's a byproduct of a lot of that stuff, you know what I mean? And, but the media and people who own those modes are able to kind of displace that and um, create straw men and smoke screens to where it looks like it's locally located in some kind of black community. They always put out pathological discourses for black people, you know, where we look pathological, like, because we got aunties and uncles and we don't have a lot of fathers. But I said we got, we got a way of, you know, we got a way of living that we compensate for different things and shortcomings that might have come out of slavery and stuff like that. But, you know, we, we still can strive and we still have our normal, you know what I mean, that we're striving to be more human. I think that's what it comes down to, you know, whatever your shortcomings are. As long as your mind is open to try to look at a more humanistic way of being, you know, even with your shortcomings, it's, it's understanding and, and not just embracing them, but just really saying, hey, you know, I do have some problems that I'm working on. And I don't think anybody is outside of saying that because it's, it's, everybody's mm-hmm. affected by something. Look, let me tell y'all, Garfield from Shy just dropped a whole lot of motherfucking knowledge right here, and it just made me <laughs> look at things from a different perspective. Because what I toxic, it's uh, what I got from your whole breakdown is perception, and it's like you, if I know myself the way I know I myself, and I see that this individual is moving a certain way, that my reaction to it, to him, her, or whatever, it's going to be toxic. I got to move a different direction, you know. Somebody else may yeah. interact with that and just vibe with it. I understand that. Right. But it's like being accountable for my own actions. So if I see something and it 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 doesn't fit within my spirit, we talked you talked about energy and mm-hmm. you know and I know if I and you know get around that too, I may react in a way I don't want to react. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to move in a different direction. So toxic mm-hmm. It's about perception, and and if I perceive that this is going to be toxic for me, I have to react differently and remove myself because, A, I cannot control how what you say or how you react. The only thing I can control is my damn self. So, therefore, uh, I can move this way. So, you know, and it's, yeah, I get that. I, and that's what I took from your your whole breakdown. Yeah, yeah, that's basically what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's why I think. I, so you know, Sandy, you know, I I've taken a break from social media, and I, it's like one of the reasons why I took that social media break because social media right now is at an all time high of being toxic. It's like everything everyone is posting, we're taking it in and we're absorbing it as our own thought. And I'm just like, no, I need a break from this. It's just too much. Um, I do watch the news a little bit just to stay, you know, um, a little bit um, in, in the loop of what's going on. But social media right now for me, it's a no. <laughs> it's a no. I, and I do. So, 
So how do you handle that with with you guys' comeback? Um, yeah, I know you guys have been doing the 90s kickback tour. I did attend oh, yeah, your yeah, concert yeah. in Houston. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Have with, fun. I love uh, that stage, a little rotating stage. <laughs> yeah, y'all did the rotator stage in the all-black. Um, how How has it been being back on the road again? Well, we haven't never stopped actually being on the road since back then. We've been doing, really? been doing, we've been doing yeah, we've been doing shows since the 90s, you know, but now the 90s groups are kind of like, you know, a sexy again. It's like a novelty, you know, people like, oh, yeah. like, like Bruno Mars did a whole album, you know, with T-Pain writing a lot of stuff that kind of was dedicated to like the 90s sound. He killed it, you know, so, you know, like um, somebody we did If I Ever, um, Jason Derulo and Pentatonic, you know, they like a lot of, so we've been doing shows, you know, SWV, mm-hmm. Shy Boys and Men. We always do stuff at H Town, um, John B, um, Silk, um, you know, like the usual suspects. We we always on the mm-hmm. road. We've been on the road for the last, like I said, since the '90s. But um, lately, over the last ten years or so, the '90s instead of the '90s artists looking like they fell off because it was closer to the '90s. Now it looks like we're a novelty. So it's kind of like sexy yeah. again because it's far, it's more removed. But now nah, we've been doing shows. That's how we sustain a livelihood, you know, you know, royalties for those who are, of us who are fortunate enough to write our own material and shows. Okay. That's where our, our money in, in terms of being in this industry comes from. So to show work, you know, going overseas, going to Germany. And now nah, we've been grinding and, and, and doing shows. People never stop. Because the 90s was something that even though the time period moved on, I don't think people actually got enough. Like, the music itself yeah. never, like, just died out and just the music fell off. It was just, like, a new trend kind of came in overlapping us at the same time as us. And then that mm-hmm. started taking off on radio and boom. But the 90s, I don't think, ever left the people's systems in terms of, like, they had enough of the 90s. Like, people still liked that 90s sound. Like, it was more harmonies and singing. There was actually groups. Like, now it's more soloists. You don't party out. Yeah. Like, have groups out anymore and stuff like that. But, you know, the content is a little expressed a little differently, and people still kind of want to feel a little bit of that, you know, in their intimate time and that kind of thing, you know. And then the people who grew up with us, our age, um, back then or our age now, they still want to hear that kind of thing, even though some of the, oh, stuff, yeah. the new stuff is dope. People, you know, I like a lot of the new cats, man, you know. Um, but that that stuff that we did, you know, the Joe Decees, even though – they was freaking a lot of ways. They had some dope music, man. It's pulling me, girl, just like a child. You know, that um, cry for you mm-hmm. is crazy. Mm-hmm. All yeah. that. Diving Master. Yeah. You know, those times, you know, that music is just classic music instantly that you still want to hear, even with some dope stuff by, like, Miguel or somebody that's out right now, you know what I'm saying, adoring you and stuff like, you know. So it's like that sound is still relevant, and um, that makes us relevant, you know. And if we happen to be the soundtrack to a lot of people's, experiences coming of age, they first kissed, they first time making love, or when they got married, or, you know, people kind of still feel us for being the kind of marker for that kind of experience, so that etches us into their mainframe a little more, so, you know, when we do these shows, people are kind of living vicariously, you know, through us to make them relive that, that moment and stuff, so it becomes a little more than just a show to a lot of people, you know. That is so true yeah, because yeah. I hear certain songs and I'd be like, oh, yeah, this take me back to Grambling, 95. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember when Yo. this came out. I was here. I was there. <laughs> Man, we got lucky yes. enough to go to um, Southern and Grambling, the classic, and perform If I Ever with the band, with Southern's band, um, doing the Clap Bayou Classic, man. That, that joint was 
that was one of the dopest feelings, I swear, to this day. Of yeah. All the stuff you did. To hear that band just blowing, if I had with them tubas, and that was yeah. crazy, man. The crowd, the whole crowd was just there. Yeah, that was crazy. So, yeah. Big ups to the Black College bands, man. Yes. Those are those are the best. That's why I'm glad Beyonce did that homecoming thing. I don't care what nobody say, you know, stuff like that. She kind of like Sandy. she brought that back. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I saw it. It was on Netflix. I saw it. I was not a fan. I just, you know, I, you know, I, I get it, but I just, I, it's just, I, you know what? I'm gonna tell you this. I, um, yeah, tell me I what's get up. it. I, I'm tell a me. Beyonce. Okay, I'm a, I am a, I am a, I am a, a fan of Beyonce. Um, what, I'm. She's a PWI. <laughs> no, no. Listen, listen. What I'm, I'm, my heart's broken, right? My heart is broken because I think about you know the '90s classics and you know the stuff that I really like, and then I look at them now, and right, right. they real feminine, you know, and they really piss me off. He's about a huge Maxwell <laughs> fan, and I, and I'm, I remember him back in the day, and he looked like a fruit cup right now, and I just, and it's just it's hurting my soul, well, and I'm hit Beyonce. Well, he's been through some things. Maxwell went through. Some I get it. You know, I like, understand. We we all been through shit though. We all been sitting there and poking our shit up and down the broad road. Do you understand? <laughs> no I mean, doubt. <laughs> no doubt. we all been through some shit. You know what I'm saying? I just, but some people, some people come out a little worse for the wind, worse for the wind than others. You know what I mean? I get like, it. People, I know. I know. I just, you know, it, but it hurts. You no, know, I mean, it hurts. It hurts. I, I'm, I feel that way. I, I get that. You, you know, I and I I get. I get, just imagine all the people that used to love Bruce Jenner back in the day. Then now he crazy. Oh you know, shit! Oh shit! You know, <laughs> Why you got to live in their truth? I'm just saying, you just—it's like it's like you go to a funeral, a death process. You're like, this nah, that's is my crush. I like this person, and this and that, yeah. and you're like, damn, yeah. this is who the nah, fuck I you are, you. really? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, it's just human to be disappointed by certain things, and time is undefeated, man. So it's just, you know, along that continuum, people are going to have, you know, people take care of themselves a little better than others, and they start showing, and, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, you know, yeah, it, it goes down in the city city, like I like to say, you know, but I feel that. But the Beyonce thing, like, I, I'm not no real big old Beyonce fan while I'm sitting there listening to all those songs and stuff, but what I did appreciate in this day and age where HBCUs are becoming like almost like um, a thing of the past in terms of what they, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of documenting Mm -hmm. what they, what they represented and stuff. Somebody actually created something that was documenting, uh, even if it's a slight allusion to it, um, that thing is going to exist. That, that, that film is going to exist. And people who are going to be so far Mm -hmm. removed from black colleges in the future will still know who Beyonce is and have an inkling of what black college stuff was kind of like, even if it was just through her. And um, just I look at it that way more than just the actual aesthetic of the right now of it in terms of the musical part. Like, there's levels to when I say I appreciated it. You know what I mean? So some people who don't like it, there's other reasons that they don't like it that, that's not a part of that thing that I'm talking about. And I have, I have to respect that. People have their own, like I say, everybody has their own sensibility mm-hmm. and stuff. So I get that, too. I can't, I'm not hating on anybody's reasons for liking or hating. I can only speak from my standpoint, you know. A different world for me, Miss Sandy. 
I, I wanted to go to college after watching A Different World. When that came out, I'm like, dang, mm-hmm. you know, I want to go to college. So that gave me that inspiration. I watched the Beyonce mm-hmm. thing. It's just another form of her in a concert and her, you know, and I'm, and I think she's beautiful and I get that, but it's been done before. Like she's like, it's like, um, it's like if you always can constantly play the same role, I get tired. It's like, I'm so glad there's, you know, more movies where different black actors are being a part of like unknown actors. I'm tired of seeing the same Morris Chestnut, Gabrielle <laughs> Union. Or, yeah, right. just, just, what I'm saying. They're just doing the same, you know what I'm saying? So what she did, she's always done. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it doesn't catch my eye nor my attention. I see. I understand what you're saying when you look at it from that angle. I do. But I'm also saying for future references, you can't have enough of that to me. Like it needs to be done more than like, because Mm -hmm. I know how time erases our our legacies. And um, the more stuff that we have, even if it's in a form that you feel is shallow in the now, Man, future, future. Mm-hmm. The more we have of that, in conjunction with the different world, that's a different presentation of it. But how many kids now know what the hell a different world is, or you know, are familiar mm-hmm. with that style of of it? You know, we lived it. I, well, I lived it. I don't know how old y'all. Are. <laughs> I, yeah. No, I, know, I lived you know it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I lived, yeah. You know what I mean? But they didn't live in that, and so they're going to be disconnected in a way that the only person they are going to listen to and relate to is if is a person like a Beyonce or. And so if she's reaching and giving a piece of that, you know, that that's going to be important. Now, from our perspective, we've seen it done in a more comprehensive way before where people have really captured it and we see it as more authentic, um, the different worlds and stuff like that. But I see and understand I'm open towards the, the new iterations of it. People just actually presenting the iteration of it is important to me in the now because mm-hmm. I see our culture can be easily wiped out of history and stuff like that. So, the more those types of things get to live, I'm saying I, I need those representations. And the big thing about Beyonce, more than just like how people hate Floyd Mayweather and all these people, there's aspects of them that's groundbreaking in terms of the business, in terms of like oh, instead no, of her that, getting paid yeah. for Co- instead Lucky of getting paid said. for Coachella, she took some of that money and owned the rights to it, so she can then put it out there. You know, and she ended up owning like you know her turning four million dollars into twenty million dollars and stuff like like there's business models mm-hmm. that I think are important in terms of like ownership, you know what I mean? And those things aren't getting like projected enough. You know, um Floyd Mayweather as a boxer who's not even a heavyweight like Muhammad Ali and them back in the day. This little light guy that's hundred and forty seven pounds, you know, is com- not even knocking people out, but just has enough business savvy to make up a new model like this thing called twenty four seven where they follow the fighters a month before the fight, get all up in their family life. So by the time the fight comes, you're so engrossed in these characters, these people, that you definitely going to watch the fight. So that's a new style of promotion that he invented for HBO. Mm-hmm. And now everybody uses that model, this you know 24-7 model. Like That thing right there is, is an invention that he created that is a promotional marketing tool that people didn't know that he even created. that made him stand up with a $100 million check before his fight. And so it's just, you know, I look at things – on a local level in terms of, like, you know, how people are, and I can hate them in, in that way. Uh, man, he's wack. But, but then on certain things, they're doing some big things. You know, it's, it's balance, you know what I mean? And I think that's what we actually need that you're saying. Like, yo, it's been done before. Give me some balance and give me somebody else other than more. And that's that's real, too, you know. So I see all of those different levels as being important, you know, definitely what you're saying. Um, but then there's other aspects, too. So, so I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm, I roll and see – different layers and stuff like that, you know, it's, you know, they all exist at one time, you know, and there's definitely needs on different levels. 
Yeah, because you know, for me, when I watched it, it took me back to my days at Grambling in the halftime football game, and it just – it, it those are times that you can't get back. But I always tell people, mm-hmm. um, my black college experience was the best. I only attended Grambling for two years, but it was the best That's all you need. years <laughs> in my life. Okay. It's when I, I found I myself. I hey, I came into a, myself. Man, what's my thing with that? Yeah. You're messing and, with that, man. And, yeah. And it was it was that, the you know. best experience. Yeah. And so I think that kids need that because even like I have two boys and and my youngest Mm. son, he's, he's the athlete and, you know, but his mind is only set on big 10 school. And I'm, I I try to promote the HBCU, you know, just for the experience alone, um, the brotherhoods and the sisterhoods that you build, not saying that you can't build that at a PWI, but you, it's, it's it's different. It's different. It's on a whole different level, Mm -hmm. um, of what you walk away with that experience. And so, but that's what that, that homecoming did for me. Um, it has been done before as far as on television, let's say different world, but for her to put that, incorporate that in her Coachella set, that was that was genius to me, and it brought more attention to HBCUs, which means that now more kids may be seeking out going to an HBCU because of that. And we need people to go to HBCU so we can save them because no they they are cutting funding for them left and right. They're not important, and like you said, they're trying to wipe out our history, and they're starting every level. And especially there, they don't want to give us money to continue our education at HBCUs. They don't care about us, <laughs> you know. I remember mean, when I was at Howard, you know, I, you know, I got the. I got, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, love. Somebody. Was okay, saying, you know, I gotta put my. I am not a, a, a. No, this is me. I'm in Sandy. Ed, look, the whole HBCU, and my brother went to Tuskegee. I, I, to me, I'm not a fan, and I am a black woman. I'm not, I was like I was, my, my cousins went to Grambling. Um, I had friends that went to Howard. You know, I, I'm. I, it was good to go kick it. You know, I could see you go kick it and go, um, you know, and party. But you know, like when my brother was at Tuskegee, like the whole front of it looked so pretty, right? It was so pretty. My brother, my he for dinner. He called me. I was living in Marietta. He called me. He was like, I went to go, you know, eat dinner in the dining hall, and they ran out of food. I said, Nick, how do you run out of fucking food? <laughs> he said, we ran out Garfield, of food. I'm going to need you, Garfield. I'm going to need you, Garfield. I'm going to need you. I was like, how did they run out of food? To piggyback off that, there's all. And, and I graduated. I graduated from NIU. I graduated from Northern Illinois University. Um, okay. But I said, it, it, we never ran out of food. You know, and my cousin went to Grambling. Remember, she called White me. Food. She got her first pup. I know. She called me. She called me screaming. She said, Sandy. I said, what? She said, Cardi Roach is all up in here. Oh, my gosh. I was like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, there, there, there are aspects to, um, you know, to not over-romanticize or over-detract from all that experience. For every roach that I might have seen, you know, I was 
in juxtaposition at Howard to to um, Capitol Hill while I ate lunch with the Congressional Black Caucus that I could have only gotten because Ron Walters, who was on the Congressional Black Caucus, was my professor. And as a political science mm-hmm. major, he made sure he took me by the hand and took me there. Um, and so at a 17 But not a lot of black students don't have that, though. But I'm saying a lot of a black, lot of students, black students don't have that. But the black students that went to Howard, those that did have that had that because they went to that black university where people, the ratio, the t- student to teacher might have been a little smaller, as well as some of the professor and faculty, you know, actually was able to take a little bit more yeah. time with their students and stuff like that. For every bad experience, you had that. And I was 17, came into Howard, thought I knew everything, didn't know shit. You know, I was just so young, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, as a chemistry major, you know, I had this, some, some people who actually um, took me to the National Institutes of Health, you know, and presented me with potential internships and stuff that I wouldn't have got, um, even though I lived mm-hmm. in Carver Hall or Slow Hall where there was definitely some roaches going on, you know. So mm-hmm. to weigh to weigh those experiences and to reduce it down to I got a couple of roaches compared to some of the experiences and then the legacy of who went there before me, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and actually made noise. You know, I went to school at the same time as a lot of cats who were, you know, hitting hard and stuff like that. But there's legacies there as well, you know, and, and there's, you know, I, you can't I over glamorize that. it, but it's also elements that you definitely can pull out that you wouldn't have been able to get in other places, the camaraderie and, you know, yeah, it was partying, but at the same time, a lot of my cats that was up at three o'clock in the morning end up becoming like, you know, a, the DA of New York city or puffy or, you know, a lot of people who became somebody in, in those kinds of ways. They, I remember when they was just a regular cat kicking it on campus myself included, you know what I mean? But I became Dr. Garfield Bright, who was also a multi-platinum recording artist who did both instead of either or. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a tutelage that happened there. I, I ran for um, Howard University. I was in this group called Black Nia Force. Um, Raz Baraka, Big Ups, who's the mayor of Newark, New Jersey right now, we took over the administration building for two weeks because they tried to put a KKK member on our board of trustees because they wanted to get more funding mm-hmm. for the school. But to sacrifice our mm-hmm. blackness and our legacy by doing that, they thought the kids were stupid. So we stood up, took in the bat on that, and took over the A building until our demands were met and got this man kicked off the board of trustees. So I wouldn't have had that kind of experience, even though I did have roaches. I wouldn't have had that kind of experience at a PWI. And so, you know, yeah, and right. what that what that built up in terms of my relations, I still poly with all of those cats that I went there. Now they give me opportunities. I'm I'm creating some school situations in Newark, New Jersey, because of Raz is there, and I just got my PhD in educational policy. That same relationship when we was just kicking it, drinking 40s and progressing up to men of conscience who don't do that no more. And you know, those types of relations were nurtured in that womb at that point in time that, you know, even though, yeah, there was some drawbacks, like I hated the administration. The administration seemed like they hated the students. I mean, it's time to get registered, man. Like computers breaking down. They looking at us like we have fraud. Like I'm like, damn, yo, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get gym class. All they got left is bad knitting or ethnic dance. And I can't even take, you know what I mean? I got to be stuck with something that I don't even want to take and deal with it and stuff like that. But at the same time, the people who went there made the process worth it. You know what I mean? So a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of that was more than just the facilities and stuff like that. So, yeah, I get the, the grief and argument, like, you know, in terms of, like, we wouldn't top-notch like some of the PWIs would have been in terms of the money, but that, that the ethic of caring that we had might not have been in those PWIs who didn't have roaches. And so there's a bad, right. you know, and there's some good things and bad things with both, you know, cost-benefit analysis, you weigh, weigh what you take away from it, and, you know, you deal with what you want to deal with, but there's, there's positive and negatives, just like anything else, you know, and the qualitative okay. experience would be what you make of it, you know. Okay. But it's worth preserving right. the I'm, legacy and that history. It's best and, you know, you, you, 
you you painted that picture very perfectly. There's a positive and negative experience of of everything, and it's what you take yeah. from it, right, wrong, or yeah. indifferent. Uh, you know, so I, I do, I do, I do, um, I see that and totally respect that. You know, um, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I see, like, some of my friends, their parents pay for college. If, you know, they, they had that. They wanted them to, you know, go be around some more blacks, and that's a good experience. You know, but when you're depending on that refund check, and they saying, oh, it's going to be two months late, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just roll with it, right, Garfield? We had to roll with it. Man. We had to hey, roll look, with it. Let me tell you what happened to me. This is real sick. This is telling how I'm like, I'm in shy, this is a story that led me in the shy. I'm going to tell you a little story, right? Okay, so, okay, man. They revoked my financial aid after I, I I had my classes, and they revoked my financial aid all of a sudden for I don't even know what the reason was. But I only had two semesters left at Howard, and my financial aid was getting revoked. So my bright idea was to try to make a 4.0 GPA, which I had never done in my life. And um, I, I got the 4.0 for the first time in my life. I applied myself like crazy, thinking I was going to get a trustee scholarship to pay for the last semester. Well, didn't happen, you know, I, because I was in the nation for a time. There were people who were adults who were mad at me for being in the nation and being at Howard, because I ran for Howard University student body president at Garfield X, and they hated me because the, who I ran against was the representatives of the NAACP junior um, league, who, you know, and so they thought, you know, they were antagonistic against this brother just trying to find himself, come of age, you know, I was, and so long story short, it was in that semester that I still had housing, but I couldn't take classes, that I started hanging out with my boy Darnell in the fine arts building every day because, uh, you know, I was working as a temp down in Georgetown. And when I couldn't get the job, you know, temps, you get jobs every so often. I was just hanging with him. And that's when shy happened. I ended up falling into these alphas who were preparing for this big show at Howard um, University, a uh, big talent show. And a couple of their members quit. And he was like, yo, gee, you've been with us every day, man. I know you know the bass parts. You know, can you sing with us, man? Come on, bro. We need four-part harmony. And when I said yes, and we went and performed at this show, that's when we decided to go pursue a record deal. And, you know, the rest was history and stuff like that. But it was because of that kind of craziness that how it took away my, my classes, even though I just made a 4.0. You know what I mean? Like, that don't mean nothing to them. They just they beat it. You know? I'm like, damn. <laughs> you know, I thought this was a black college. You know what I'm With the administration, yeah. man. You know what I mean? They didn't give mm-hmm. a damn a lot of the time. Political. So it was so political, man. I was just caught up as a young kid. Really thought I was a man, but I was a young kid. And um, was wondering, like, damn, that's how it is. Like, people don't really don't give a damn like that. You know, I was learning some hard lessons and stuff like that, but. That was how. That's how shy. That's how I ended up in shy. <laughs> you know? Wow! 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 We got another. Mm-hmm. We got Mark. We got the Dragon Slayer. We got the Dragon Slayer on with Say Radio. We having a great hey, conversation. Up, you know, our, our, oh, we hey. having a great discussion. This is like the whole uh, HBCU. You know, I'm. You know, I'm. You know, I'm on the fence. My my oldest is graduated from college. Uh, he's yeah. starting his job in data analytics at Michelin June third, so he's oh, at home busily. Oh, and he had a, he had two D one scholarships, so uh, one for uh, football, one for basketball. But you know, like a, a high honor school. Yeah, I'm yes, a sir. proud mom in that area. You should. But be. he went to a private school. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am very proud. Very proud. You need to be that's, single that's mother. Single thing. mother. Brother got single mom. Right. Good, job. Good, good job. Good job. Man got his, got his little priorities right. Boom. Got 
opportunities where he got options, you know what I'm saying? And he got the great man to pull off the mathematical piece to Hey man, shoot, that's that's what I'm talking about. Go ahead, bro. Oh, that's Make your mama you know, proud. That's good. I you know, it's so sad. I was like I I've been, I was that woman and I would always say, I said I'm not raising no bitches. And like I put my dating life and stuff like that, like I made my boys like the main priority. Now they're getting older, and I'm in a space like I don't yeah. even know myself. So for you guys to say <laughs> what you guys experienced in college, you know what I'm saying? I I went to college. I graduated, but I had my son in college. So, therefore, yeah. you know, I, it was about my son was on campus with me day in and day. You know, we were living, and so I, I, couldn't, and I couldn't get to know myself. You know what I'm saying? So it was, yeah. it was I got you. doing that. Think- so to hear you guys – you know, finding yourselves and get a chance to do that, I envy that. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, I wish I would have did that. So I really encourage my my kids, do do not have no kids. You know, this is your selfish time. I need you just to work on you. You can make, you're making mistakes. Get your bounce back game right. You know, just yeah. do that. But what you was know? dope, Mom, and what you did is that when you brought them on campus, even though for you, it was kind of a byproduct of your hardship, and you just, you just making it happen. Like he got to be with me. I might not be able to fool babysitters and all that. You got to come. I was that kid with my mom at Alabama State. My mom was at Alabama State University, and I was I was I was on campus with my mom. But guess what? I was sitting in the classrooms, and what wow. what, it, what happened? I was as, mm-hmm. as a young boy, I was able to see black people as normal in the educative environment. Like that was my normal to me. Even though she was looking at it like that, she just had to have me there. But for me, I was growing up thinking that black men and women at college is some normal shit to, to, to do. So of course I'm going, you know, mm-hmm. and he was impressing on me right. that of course I'm going to be in college when I grow up. Like, and so, yeah. and I was a ball boy for the football team. I was at the, uh, I was like the little dude for the band. I was, you know, I was all around that campus on a college campus um, all day long and stuff like that. So I was literally at school in my mind. I was into college. I was, I was, I went to ASU at eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> you know what I mean? To me, I was a horny. And I was a little capper and the was trying to recruit me as a little cute, a little capper. So I was, you know. And so it was a natural segue when I got older. Of course, you know, like, and I ended up going to Howard, HBCU, and stuff like that. And I already knew about the band and all that. I had one up on all the little Cali people who didn't have no black colleges. I could tell them, oh, nah, this is this. And that kind of thing, but it, it shaped me. And so I'm sure that this guy's success, your son's success, in terms of really having mm-hmm. that drive, was partially because you introduced to him what it would look like mm-hmm. in real time being on college mm-hmm. campus. So in, the, in your mind, even though you were mm-hmm. struggling and you had to do that, that was like some yeah. ill exposure that you gave, brother man. Like, so mm-hmm. you know, it's still some good. It's mad good to that, even though at the time, you know, <laughs> you was just grinding, doing your thing. But you did a valuable thing. You know. Yeah, I think that's missing well, a lot of times like bringing up a lot of children is that they don't get that that nurturing in a progressive environment a lot of times. It's a lot mm-hmm. of divisiveness that goes on into these families. So that is important on both of you guys' part that you were part of this progressive type of parent that brought you on campus. I'm impressed. I really am. So compliments to you, Sandy, as well. Yeah, yeah. good job. Thank you. Thank you. You did that, Mom. You Thank did you. that. <laughs> <laughs> one down, one to go. One more to go. Yeah. One more to go. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we got to get in college. So what? What did you What did you major in in college? Uh, I majored in corporate communications, and okay. actually, I and I did I. I took probably the most easiest 
um, degree I could at the time, looking back. And then the internship I took, what I didn't, I to go back and change anything, I would have took more of what I really wanted. Like I've been this this survival mindset for such a long time. Because my mm-hmm. mother, when she found out I was pregnant, she said, "You can't bring your ass back home. I don't know what you're mm. gonna do." So it, that was <laughs> point blank. She said, I, "She said you went to college to get a damn degree. I suggest you finish." Mm. Bye. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was that. You know what I'm saying? That was that. And I had tried right, to commit that. suicide. I tried to commit suicide, mm. and one of my girlfriends. Uh, she she actually called my mother, and um, Malik was just a baby, and I went to the hospital, and my mom. That's when she came on That's when she came on <laughs> on campus, and she, um, cause she really hated I got pregnant in college. I mean, she hated that, but she mm. had my baby in her arms. I had my friends in the house, the room with me, and she looked at me. And she said, "You selfish bitch." Mm. How dare you You want to leave this baby without a mother I don't give a fuck what's going on Who said what Who said who You need to take your baby And get your ass back to motherfucking class Get the fuck out of this goddamn hospital room <laughs> And I looked at her I, I said okay <laughs> And I took my baby And checked out I was like I was like, You came out here to graduate That's what the fuck you need to do <laughs> Hey, but you know what people call that? That's a character education right there. And um, mm. I know it, I know at the time that was harsh, but um, oh my god, you, you got etched in you some real hardcore, real valuable lessons from that that you'll never relinquish, and that you'll transfer on to to, to anybody who you meet. I'm saying that same ethic right there. And, and a lot of times we need that cat that told you that you are that cat to other people. I bet you in your life you were known to be that person. I bet you. You know, because that was some real shit right there. And um, But yeah. they were right, you know what I mean? And you internalized it. Like, you realized that they was right. You knew they was right. It resonated with you that they was right. That's why you're still here, and you did what you did, you know? And so that's that, that's 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 healing. That's, that's some tough love, but that's some nurturing on another level. That person loved you who told you that, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely tough love. Yeah, but I get it now. I get it. And I give yeah. that to other people. Not other people can, can receive that kind of information and take it that way you know mm-hmm. uh, and that's my downfall because sometimes I could be too direct or too I don't know what I am but it's not like some people don't like it <laughs> so I get that you know. <laughs> I get that pushback too you know mm-hmm. over time I even if they don't like back. it they'll, they'll probably learn to, they, they, they definitely respect it and then you know a lot of times even if you didn't know People have taken what you said, even if they were offended and showed you that over time, they probably was like, damn, this one person told me such and such, and it stuck with me for the blah, 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 blah. And now, and you probably never know that you were the, be- the beginning of some new progression they went through because you said that, you know what I mean? So, you know, I think that's valuable to have that, you know. I think people need more of that, actually, that realness like that, you know. Uh-huh. In this so-called PC world that we live in where you can't say shit, you can't, you yeah. know, it's so many double standards it's like the double that you can't say shit but everybody being transparent because we got the social media everybody putting their business out there which is cool I'd rather you show me who you are than put up this image that I'm thinking you one way but you not that pisses me off I'm thinking you one way then you flip that Dr. Dr. Jackal Mr. High bullshit on me I don't even know who I'm dealing with (laughs) 
You know what I'm saying? Yes, we had a conversation. It was cool. Wait a minute. You're dealing with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's who you're dealing with. I mean, people have many aspects of their personality. (laughs) Yeah, some people are more than one thing, you know, for different spaces. Like, that's actually them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's true. Remember, we had that conversation before about that, sending in the, the representative. Oh, right. Yeah. That's a facet of them, you know. It's not necessarily a Oh, you know what? That's a good they thing. Could be, they, could, they could be two-faced. That's what they uh-huh. are. Or they could just uh-huh. be conflicted. Gosh, what is... Instead of being two-faced, they could just be conflicted in a way to where they work itself and in some aspects of their world, you know, they, 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 they feel a certain way and they come in this way, but in other aspects, they rethinking and they look a certain way. So if another, a certain person met them on one day and another person met them on the other day, in their mind, they being themselves, but those two different people got two different things from them. And they can be like, you are such and such over here, you know, like, and the person might not even, you know, like a lot of people was accusing Tupac of that and stuff like that, but he was just being who he was and stuff like that, you know, so, I mean, you know. And then some people are being applies. and then some people are being what y'all say, but then there's also people who are just being conflicted too. So it's, it ain't so easy to round that off. I don't think you know what I mean. Like it's really okay. Wait, me, you um, brought up Tupac. Just, yeah. You brought up Tupac, right? And I, I'm a huge yeah. Tupac fan, and I always felt like uh, his thought process and his was it was so more progressive. Um, than what Profound, people probably you know wanted to hear. Like when we when you are entertaining, like you, I'm sure you know this. Like you progress so much, and then people when you you know they want to keep you to where you used to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who you used to be, and so I can imagine that is so frustrating. You know, you you develop, you grow as a person. That's why, like when people you know they want to pull up old you know tw- tweets from you know like Kevin Hart or whoever back in the day, well, you said this in 2010. Well, right. it's 2019. Am I not supposed to grow? Am I not supposed to be a different person? <laughs> so in regard to <laughs> Tupac, it's like, <laughs> you know, and then when you have a fan base, they want to see you in this image. You know what I'm saying? Even though I brought up Bruce Jenner earlier in the conversation. <laughs> we want to see you in this, this image, and then you're like, I'm a different person. I want to be who I want to be. Let me be me. Right. And you and and then it's not received, you know what I'm saying? So right. now you're stuck in this hole, you know, I got to give, especially I'm trying to make money. You know, I got a family to feed. I got to, you know, I got bills to pay. So now I got to go, you know, do this gig or perform this. I'm not in that space. Jay-Z said it. sometimes it's painful for him to sing certain songs because he's not in that space mm. anymore. But this is what the no fans want to hear. You know, so how do you deal with that? Well, I was going to say, on top of that, there's another reality, too. Some people are very powerful. Like, they have a powerful aspect to themselves. And it's so powerful and so magnetic that people want them to be perfect and be in that that part of them Mm. that's powerful. They just want that to be the part, period. But Mm -hmm. these people got flaws. They're human. They got all kind of fucked up baggage and shit. But they have a God-given other thing that's so, so powerful that people can't see past that when they interact with them because they have this powerful part of them that is valuable, that is on point. But they, they, they got flaws just like the rest. So when people see those flaws, they feel like they're being a hypocrite. And actually, they just mm-hmm. still being, they developing. They just got a guy giving, just like some people got a 40-inch vertical leap that play basketball. And they don't even, I mean, they don't even play basketball, rather. They just got this 40-inch vertical. And people are like, damn, they got come you ain't playing ball somewhere. What the fuck? What's that? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like basketball. What the fuck you get this 40-inch vertical that- for? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, 
That's you know, a fear I have with my older son. That, yeah. That's the fear yeah, so I have with my son who's graduated. Yeah. I think that's the most real version is that. Like people are, you know, so some people realize that they have that and they hide it. And because they hide it because they know mm-hmm. how people are going to receive it if they see they got these things that they're working on compared to the part of them that's so extra powerful. That part is real. That's powerful. It's authentic, too. It ain't fake. It ain't no representative. They really got that. But then they got this other stuff that's, like, been lacking because that part has been so powerful. Maybe they haven't developed these other things. And, you know, so, yeah, so people perceive that, back to perception, as, like, oh, they misled me and shit. Like, I, I thought they was this, but they really, they, they, no. yo, you know what I'm saying? We ain't, they're human. Ain't, yeah, know, they're human. Yeah. Yeah, they're human. Allow them to grow. Allow them to make mistakes. So, like leaders, like when people yeah. become, they don't want you to be married or something when you're a leader, or they want you to be this, that, and the third. And you might have those qualities that you can't be out in front of people, and you have a dope way of organizing folks and this, that, and the third, you know, like a Martin Luther King or somebody like that. But then he had major flaws and stuff like that that come out that people like mad at him after his death posthumously or, you know, things like that. Oh, that brother was human, and he was a young leader, Sophie Carmichael, like, you know, people, you know, even people in the Panthers, Huey, and you know, Eldridge and stuff like that, you know, you have people who have the capacity to really move men and and, and women, um, but then they might have had some kind of sexual deviant aspect because the society, when they were young and coming of age and their identity, even though they was mixed in with this conscious piece, they still had some other stuff in them that was like curious about sex and different things, and they was overdoing it, and, you know, and that comes to bite them in the ass, but they still were those people who were leaders, though, like, but, you know, you they couldn't leave in your eyes unless they was this perfect Jesus figure or something. And it's like that's, that's okay, that's okay. You you killing me with a lot of little daggers right here. And I just because I've been like I'm on the fence with that because you know I you I, you you do have as a, you know a certain perception and and then yeah. when you find out you know whatever their truth is Bruce Jenner Caitlyn that's his truth you know it's you know or. Or I, uh, Maxwell, I know he's been through some things, but to see, I'm like, you know, why? You know, it's, I just, you know, it, it hurts. I mean, you the know, letdown is real. I'm not, just, I'm not denying that. But it's just, you know, it does hurt. But it, I, I, you got to look at it, you know. Right, like, and when you think someone is dope and you find out they believe really baking soda, it's like kind of that thing. It's just like, dang. <laughs> you funny. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're fun. I mean, I get it. What I'm just, I'm just trying to throw, throw it in the narrative that like, even the dopest of us, you know, like there's mm-hmm. things that people would judge you on if they only but knew that there's aspects of you that's still developing at that moment, not in the same curve with the part of you that is developed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that 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 projection of expectation was. You have to look at your, I tell people, you know, hey, man, I feel you, but look at yourself, knowing you the way you know mm-hmm. yourself. Like, there's things mm-hmm. about you that you don't really want nobody really in your house of that because mm-hmm. that, that don't equal mm-hmm. up to the part of you that you think is dope, you know what I mean? And, you know, mm-hmm. if you were to be really under a microscope like that in the world, like, there would be, man, nobody really would not have no damn chance. <laughs> like, right. You know what I mean? Right. Malcolm X or somebody who was just, like, crazy on point, but even people could still bring up his prison days as Malcolm Little or something crazy. But, you know, yeah, he was yeah. on point. But there's mm-hmm. not a lot of people who are just perfect like that, you know. Who, some people just fall into greatness and, and then being get exposed to the world and the microscope of media 
and people will dig up dirt and find stuff on you, find some inconsistencies and incongruencies and make you deal with that live and direct, which will just totally negate all the aspects of the you-ness that is actually dope. You know what I mean? But it's just, you know, people are dynamic. We all dynamic and stuff like that. Um, but I'm just saying Let me it's, say it's, it, you got you to gotta look at things a little bit more, you know, open-minded and, and, and value people for who they are, even your spouse or your mate or something like that. Same kind of thing. Like there's aspects of people that are really dope that you fall in love with. Then there's other parts of them that you can't right. stand. You know, you know, right. it's like the, the, you know, and you, the dope part might over, outweigh the other parts and you wish they didn't have the other part. But what are you doing when you say that? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, right. you know, so it's just, all of that is, you know, to me, I, I, I'm kind of grown into this understanding of that. Like, let me say it. Because outside looking in, it seems like you live like 20 plus lives. And you mentioned yeah. several times <laughs> that you were in the nation, now you're not in the nation. Like, what made right. you first get into the nation, and what made you not want oh, to be in the that's nation? Good questions right there. That's really dope. I'm glad you asked. So, when I was, like I said, I'm I a dope ass person. Universe. You are. <laughs> that was a great question. But it's, you know, communications major. Shoot, you got busy. But um, no, nah, for real. But <laughs> at 17 years old, I, I'm at Howard University, and um, I was in my, you know, I was always conscious for my own age. I grew up in Brockton, Massachusetts. You know, in my teenage years, and um, you know, I helped start the African American club and stuff for the high school. So I always had this like thing in me that's just either in you I guess or not but I had this thing in me that that wanted you know blacks to kind of represent and my dad bought me these comic books when I was young called Golden Legacy that was like Harriet Tubman Frederick Douglass like they were comic books that had all of these historical figures and I grew up knowing I had a girl in my third grade whose name was Kwanzaa and we had show and tell and her name was show and tell we talked about Milana Karinga in the third grade so I understood what Kwanzaa was way early before all my peers I was always being impacted by, like, black consciousness growing up. So when I got 17 at Howard, I was looking for that, you know, at that HBCU. I knew there was, that was part of what I should be getting from an HBCU. I went there already feeling like that's why I'm here, to, you know, stand on the shoulders of these giants who went here as well. And so I found this group, like I said, Black Nia Force. Um, Nia means purpose, you know, and force, you know, freedom organization for racial and cultural enlightenment. And we wanted to be the force to accelerate the masses because force equals mass on acceleration. So we had all these things. And we really trained paramilitary and, and stuff like that. And like I said, we took over the A building. But the next step for me was the brothers who was on the yard in D.C., Moss number four, who were from the nation. At the time, it was a crack era. And um, they were going into projects, you know, without any weapons, stopping the drug dealers at the time and because, um, you know, trying to clean up the areas and stuff like that. I really respected that, that brothers would be fearless enough to do that, you know. And I kind of felt like I wanted to, you know, there were a lot of things attracting me to that power, you know. And at the time, the minister was, you know, was really, really in his more young vital vitality days, you know, he was really going on these, like, speaking tours and really galvanizing the masses and, you know, way before the Million Man March and stuff. And I felt like a real draw to that, you know, and anything that was conscious and being in Howard in the milieu of that and, you know, Brother Ali Muhammad coming on campus and giving us these power study classes where we were learning the actual facts and trying to apply on the daily life. And I was just really, really impressed by all that. So I was like, shoot, I'll give it a try. You know what I'm saying? I'll process. You know, and I got my ex and everything and, you know, set up a mosque on campus for the first time. Like, we took advantage of this loophole in the, um, the student organizations. 
they hadn't got their game tight yet. So I was able to act like, you know, the student organization and get an actual mosque on campus and stuff before they shut us down. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had other brothers on campus who were a different kind of ilk processing and stuff. And, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was strong. It was powerful. We were really, you know, I was going to save his days and doing my thing. And, and, you know, I was FOI and, you know, we, you know, the strength in that. I was attracted to the power and the strength behind it and, and those kinds of things as a youngin, that really meant something to me, you know, brother standing strong and standing for something. And at the same time, not being no pussy, no punk or whatever. So I was, I was feeling that. And, um, you know, over time, like, um, we started NOI security nation is not security who was getting corporate contracts, even though those people in the corporate sphere hated minister Farrakhan, our security was so dope. They wanted our security. And I got put in charge of the cable, all cable companies are federal. So in DC, they wanted me as college kid to interface with the corporate, you know, cable people. And so I was a manager at 19 years old. Um, I had 12 employees that were like in their 40s and 30s. I was a young dude over these, you know, grown men, and you know, I was t- learning a lot of life lessons and that kind of thing. But at the same time, because we had these callouts every night at one in the morning, because like I said, we were taking over projects, and we had to show strength because these brothers from the block was shooting at us and stuff like that. So we had to show strength at one in the morning to different projects. And I wouldn't get no sleep. I started filling out of some of my classes, and that was not really what I came to Howard for and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, I, mean, I had a talk with the minister, um, Ali Muhammad, at my school for, and Brother Tim, who at the time was assistant captain. I was like, look, man, you know, I'm not any kind of cop out or anything, but I got to finish what I started, bro. You know, you know, I need to take some time to really get these classes back in order because, you know, I got an F in speech, and I know I'm not no F student in speech, you know what I'm saying? So – you know, I had to reassess where I was, and, and over time, in that hiatus period, I ended up messing around and falling into shy. I re- re-hooked up with my, my freshman roommate, Darnell Van Rensselaer, who's, the, you know, dude that hit the high note in If I Could Fall In Love, and we started hanging back out. You know, I'd come over his crib drinking milk. He would be drinking a brew, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was like, and we'd be building, watching the five heartbeats, and standing in front of the mirror singing, you know, um, Jodeci songs and stuff like that. Like, yo, man, we're going to be a group, man. And, um, and that kind of thing. So that thing took a life of its own. And next thing you know, I'm signed to NCA Records. And, you know, I just never like, made it back to, you know, to the nation in that way. And so it's like I didn't quit, per se, with time kind of slowed it past. I ended up, life got in the way and grew me. And next thing you know, I'm in an R&B, platinum R&B group, you know what I mean? And then over a period of time, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just kind of like – but it was funny because everywhere I went, I would notice a couple of brothers from the nation would kind of like be by my hotel and – you know, looking out for me. I think Supreme Captain would have him, you know. It was crazy, you know what I'm saying? Now that I think about it. But I never, like, just quit like that. And, um, you know, I still respect okay. the entrepreneurial aspects of it. And I would totally respect the minister and, you know, all those things. I just kind of just kind of, like, never, you know, got back into it as a as a real, like, member of the nation after that, you know. But I resonate with a lot of the stuff and stuff like that. And as I got older, some of the stuff I – you know, I just, you know, like, you know, in terms of, like, those standards, I kind of, like, fell off. You know, I started drinking. I drunk a cocktail or two every now and then. I never drunk heavy or anything. But, you know, brothers in the nation don't drink, none of that kind of stuff. I smoke a little weed every now and then. Brothers in the nation don't smoke no weed. That ain't, you know, that ain't what it is. So, you know, as I got older in life, I developed some, some habits that I probably would have developed earlier. You know what I mean? But, you know, I'm still a vegan. I still basically eat one meal a day. You know, that kind of thing. I st- That stuck with me. And I think that that actually... You know, How to Eat to Live, you know, Anabalaj Muhammad's book kind of like kept me young, you know, plus the students that I work with. But 
So there were things that I took from it and certain things that were faults of mine that kind of came, still came through and stuff like that. Like in, being in the industry, you know, I slept with women and did things, you know, as a young and that, you know, I was curious, you know, I'm kidding the candy store. I got all this, you know, these, these ladies throwing, you know, throwing it at me and, you know, then, you know, I lost a little of my discipline and got some of that, you know what I mean? So just keeping it 100 and stuff like that. So I, I didn't feel like I was definitely a model um, FOI member no more. So I, I didn't want to um, detract from the nation by just claiming the nation because like, I was kind of, you know, in a kind of quasi-corrupt mode. But it was, I was growing. I was coming of age. And, you know, as I looked at it when I got older, I, I realized that. But, you know, that was just the realness of my past and stuff like that. So I didn't really quit the nation. It was just life kind of got in there and certain things happened and you know i still got redeemable qualities but total respect to the nation still and stuff like that it grew me it kind of sh- shaped me to who i am today good and bad and everything but that yeah but see you were able to live your truth that that what you just said this is me this saying you are able to live and own your truth and there's a lot of you know people you know in the nation out the nation we talked about the you know the abortion laws where people are just you know, you know, anti-abortion, but yeah. wanted their mistress to get an abortion. You got people in <laughs> in the nation, they're preaching this, but really fathering all these damn kids, or they just living a different life. That representative, their yeah. representative, and who they they want people to think they are is more important right. to who they really are. I have a problem right. with that. I don't give. I don't. I don't. Right. Damn religion. Damn whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, personally, you. Um, and you know, Charlemagne called that for you know, live your truth so no one can use it against you. You when mm. you live it, you know, period. And when somebody right. like, oh, I got this on you, you about to tell something that I already told a million and one times. People look at you like, yeah, <laughs> right. we know that. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. He owned that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, he I'm owned that. You know what I'm saying? I realize that. You know, I got some dope stuff about me, and I'm probably got some whack shit about me, but. I'm growing still, even though I'm about to be 50, I'm still growing and I'm still learning who I am and my tendencies and my habits and all the things that I could do to be better, all the things that I am dope at and stuff like that. Like I'm still finding certain parts of me that, oh, you know, that's kind of dope. I didn't know that was unique. Oh, what? You know, so it's, that's just, you know, I, and I reserve the right to, to, to relish in that. And, and I see that. And I think what helped me really see that was, you know, being an educator and, and um, the young brothers and sisters that I was, I was dealing with teaching and stuff that, and, and, I see them coming of age, and I see a lot of myself in a lot of them, and, I, and they're so like this, you know. Say what you say, but a lot of them are so confident about who they are, for better or for worse. They just embrace themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. Body image wise, the bigger girls, they you can't tell them they ain't the finest thing in the world. For real, for real, they really believe that shit. Like you mm-hmm. know what, you know. Right. Like, I love that. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, you know. So that frees me up to just see myself in totality and just be glad that I can see that. And still feel like I'm still growing instead of acting like I'm something over here. And, you know, there are parts of me that I think is dope. But there's parts of me that I know need work. And I ain't fronting about that shit. You know what I mean? Like, And so, yeah, so when I tell you what I just told you, that's just me being, you know, me growing up in a way, being able to say that. So I'm glad that you can appreciate it <laughs> instead of nailing me against the wall for it. But that would be your prerogative too, you know? Yeah. Well, can hear my man. I, I- Go ahead, Jack Player. What you, what, what you got looking for uh, in the future, my man? Oh, me in the future? Yeah. Well, like I just said, um, I'm, you know, I just got my PhD in educational policy studies and stuff, and um, you know, I'm trying to blend 
the education side of myself with the entertainment side of myself to, to, to have a platform to reach more cats. My dissertation focused on how black males um, in, in, in spaces of work, power is inequitably distributed, like in the music industry and in the classroom. How do black males right. navigate that space without giving up their, their, their soul? And so with yeah, that, right. I want to create programs, man, for the young brothers and sisters that they can see themselves, but at the same time, understand their, their strengths, um, their critical, and, and grow themselves in a critical way and, 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 and actually be able to create narratives that counter, like, like we were speaking of earlier, that add balance to this thing um, that they author. So people can see not only from their standpoint, but they can prescribe to other people how to see from their standpoint, as opposed to being victims of just being seen and getting this image plopped onto them, and they grow their identity into what the image that's being plopped onto them is. They can actually force rightly say, no, this is my identity. This is how you should be looking at me. And be right. able to create that, that's a powerful piece. And, and, and that's what I'm, this, I'm trying to create. Is, is this- is this, I don't mean to interrupt, is this a curriculum or is this a service that you're providing? I do have a curricula. I have a several curricula that I've been playing with. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with non-traditional spaces, so I don't want to go to the classrooms with this. I want to go to community centers on the curb, you know, against the wall, teaching through graffiti, you know, learning words and vocabulary through graffiti. And, you know, there's a lot of things I want to do non-traditionally. So, but I do have curricula that I've designed um, that, that impart those types of um skills and, and, and habits of mind rather more than anything. Just habits of mind. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, so, right. Understood. And, and so how do you compete with people who have given their souls away nobody, for the brother. dollar? No, no, no. I'm talking compete. about I'm not not you necessarily, but I'm talking about in general theoretically, how you have to keep people who are in the industry who will sell their souls. I mean what what is Hey man, I mean my constitution doesn't allow me to do that. You know, I'm, you know, that's, that's something that I'm not about. So, you know, my, I probably suffer for the lack of desire for money. You know what I mean? I probably be right. homeless somewhere, but still be me and be cool. Cause I just don't, I'm not putting my energy into chasing paper like that. And then because of that, you know, I, the creators provided a way for me Even because I'm probably like that. I probably got taken care of because I'm so pure in that way. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I'm I'm just trying to build on self, man, and create interactions that are dope. You know what I mean? And I think the social capital that comes with that, and the and the richness that comes out of that qualitative interaction, I don't know what it is about that magnet, man. But that's that sustains me, and um, I think that that creates a path. Like your vibration, man, how your word sound is. I think that that people root for you. You know, when people root for you because they really feel that you're real about what you are. I think those those questions, that monetary aspect, could get taken care of, you know, and you, you know you find that you're transcending that shit, man. Like because capital, you know, is a divisive thing. Man. It's competition. It, it, it's rugged individualism, and um and 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 that's not what I'm striving. I'm trying to unite, man. I'm trying to create yeah. Ubuntu. I am because we are type of situations, man. And um all that other shit is just all up chasing paper. All that does is create a self. Things so hardcore that you you know you end up putting yourself above others in a way to you know you create that competition. I don't think that nature is competitive. You know I think if capital was not a part of this paradigm, we would naturally be at each other's throats. I don't think that's human nature to naturally compete. You know steel does sharpen steel. There's a competition in that way, friendly competition or competition to make the one better. But when you understand that all the more you pull back, you can always be inside of one. The more you pull back, it's still one. I think that that's what drives me, man, making people really feel like, yo, we won, man. 
It's one out here. Right. It ain't a whole bunch of yeah. devi- device divisiveness like that. Like that ain't sustainable. That's that's a die situation, you know. And I, I'm just yeah. you know just trying to live in that style, man. I, you know, all my programs end up that way. No, I wasn't talking about you specifically. I'm talking about reaching out to the youth that are out there who may be subject to those influences. Oh yeah, they all are. But you know, after you start dialoguing, like I have one one of my classes is called Capitalism. You know, we chop it up about what that means and what you know. If you had your choice to design a school, what would that look like? What would the teachers look like? What would the students look like? What would the curriculum be? And then after that, I'd be like, okay, what kind of world would have to be in place for that dope student to be in it? What would that look like? And then that's when they start seeing that, damn, you know, money might not be the most important thing over, you know, humans as a resource and not human resources for a job, but humans as a a resource in terms of a a natural um, community-based piece. And then they start seeing that things could be different. And now what would that be? How would the world be without money? Could it exist? What would, what, would, what would then be the motivation and if it wasn't a monetary piece? And so asking these questions and hearing the youth talk about them, you'd be amazed at the kind of shit they come up with. And just interrogating it head on, they start seeing the reality of what it could be without. Basically imagination, you know, because we were being taught to obey so much that imagination seems like some dreamy shit. But imagination is actually the most revolutionary shit you can do besides listening because re- imagination is to have the audacity to see some shit that is not and try to make it be. And in a world where everybody wants to program you and is obeying the shit that is, even if it's against your best interest, you know, to to see and have a vision outside of what is, it's the dopest shit in the world. So if that vision can just be prompted where it don't include money and you're asking them, well, what would be the thing that gets you up in the morning? They start seeing it. They don't take no money to really chop down a tree and make a house. You just want compensation in this paradigm. But really all it takes is for you to just want everybody to be able to live in a spot. You know what I'm saying? If you had that kind of sensibility, what's stopping that from happening and shit? You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I deal like in that style. We have conversations. And then guess what I do after we talk? And my thing, I ask them to write a 16 about, you know, um, money-mindedness. I write a 16 about capitalism based on what we just spit. You know, write a 16, write 16 bars. And then they start rhyming about stuff that they didn't hadn't thought about before. And then they come to me, you know, the next week like, yo, I've been thinking about what you was talking about. You know, so that's how I get that, I address it head on and then to actually make them hypotheticalize about what it would look like if it was different. How can it be different? And then we you know, we go from there and stuff like that. But the sensibility is all I I just prompt the sensibility and from there it takes a life of its own with them. You know, so that's that's what I do. Okay. Understood, brother. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. This is look, Garfield with his planets a lot of seeds, a lot of seeds and I'm taking notes. I'm over here I'm just, just just taking up this say radio, honest, real conversations. Uh, we stem from HBCUs. We talked about his journey from um, getting into um, Islam to not just leaving it. It's just life took him a different way and his different path. But that's mm. his path, and it's led to tremendous success. And I said from the outside looking in, I'm like, he lived like 20, 30 damn lives in my book, <laughs> and he's still standing. You know, and um, but he owns everything, and I think that's so pivotal, especially in today's age. You know, that that representation. I'm gonna look one way in front of this person, but I'm gonna. That's so confusing, you know. And you know, um, that whole. um, And I was trying to, you know, get at this like when people see my oldest son, he, he. I don't want him to absorb the image. You got to be perfect. And we talked about Tupac. Mm. When 
you're really you're progressing as an individual, but people when they see you, they see this aspect of you, and then they and if you deviate from their perception of who they think you are, then it's like oh you're fake, you're this, you're that, and at some point, you know, we cannot let other people determine or stifle who we are. You know, sometimes we have to re-educate people. You know, that whole thing. I'm going to teach you how to re- how to fuck with me right now. It's just like <laughs> even if you kind of connect with, the, you know, some people from your past and they come and come at you like, hey, 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 okay, I get it. Okay, you don't even know me right now. Let me, let's give right. an introduction. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Did that make sense to anybody? No, yeah, that makes sense It makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that a lot. You know, because, you I know, really you're right. You know, we got to, we have to grow. You know, even though sometimes, you know, like, but, you know, you could be in, you know, and Garfield mentioned that, you know, sometimes you love a person, you love this aspect above them, of them, and you hate this aspect. You know, I can't stand this, but, and then you, and what made you fall in love with that person, and it's like, that's no longer there. You know, I, you got, you know, um, like cousins that got married, and they, you know, or, you know, you married them, and he looked this way, and then you look at him like, Hell, this is not what I. This is not. This is not what I fell in love with. So, it, how do you mm. deal with that? You know, when a person is changing and they're growing, but I am who I am. This is my truth. I get that's your fucking truth. I got problems <laughs> with your truth. So, <laughs> so then, <laughs> word up. You know. <laughs> so how do you deal with this? You know, um, does being who you really are does that cost you your income? Does that cost you, you know, you from preventing to pay for? You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's, you got to weigh the, you know, the pros yeah. and the cons. You know. Yeah, call. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's important to you? You know. It's, what's important? That's right. That what's important to you. And so, like, although, you know, from the, you know, the fan aspect, you know, because I am a woman first. I get it. I'm a human. I get it. You know, you know, do have my selfish moments. I get it. So, you know, like, like ooh, I was a fan of Maxwell, and I look at him now, like, what the fuck? What is going on? <laughs> so depressing. I, I get I it. I gotta this look him up and see what you're talking about. What what happened to you know, Maxwell? You know, you know, let me tell you something. This is this is you know, like, I, you, oh, it's that whole I don't. I just. This is my personal opinion. I'm not saying you, everybody might feel this way. You know, I'm not saying. I just feel, you know, he barking up this little, like, this feminine-looking kind of, it's a little bit too much for me. It's be in our age group. I just, I just, I, I, you know, I don't, but that's him, okay, and I respect that. This is going to take me some while time to digest it and then place him <laughs> in his proper category, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's like when you had a high school crush, you know what I'm saying? You're like, yeah. ooh, this is, and you see him at the reunion, you're like, God dang it, why? What? No, real talk. Well, has been he always had that look like Maxwell, I mean, it, Maxwell, Eric Benet, they've always had that kind of, you know, uh, I'll call it an alternative look. Yeah, but Eric Benet a little different. Like he 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 he's he's like more um bohemian. Like you know he might go on stage without no shoes. But you yeah. know Eric Benet is Eric Benet is pretty much the same. You know he catty. Yeah, yeah. Eric Benet is pretty know. much the same. 
Yeah. yeah. And the boy can blow just by the way. That that boy Yeah, bad. yeah. Like, yeah. He was good in yeah. concert. Yeah. Like, he he's killing it, man. You know what I mean? But um no, nah, I I know I know exactly what you're saying with, with the Maxwell situation coming from the Maxwell <sighs> Urban Hangout suite in those days and to the cops come knocking. Right. You know, and then yeah. the yes. in his world. Grandma ninety five. <laughs> he had to fly a little flow with the little braids in the front, you know, the whole bit, you know. It was weird and different, but it was it was working at that moment. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. And, you know. But um, yeah, you, know, you know, hey man. You know. Just like if, yeah. if Tupac was still alive today and he came out and said, you know, started wearing like a little like a skirt and some shit like, you know, cold, <laughs> like a little rapper. Well, you know that ain't gonna it will, y'all, y'all will be depressed. <laughs> You understand me? It will be a depressing feel. Yo, she went to the extreme on this right there, right? <laughs> well, okay, so what That's do you think about Jay Z's new look? He has this unkept haired rock star oh, type look. Man. I what don't, is I that? Love, with, the, love, with the twisties, you know what I'm saying? He's I don't know. I don't mind that. Well, I don't mind. Like, He's progressing. You even listen to his four four four. Like he's progressing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and I get that. And it, that there's nothing like I I got a natural now. My mom hates my natural, and my you know so I'm doing that. You know, but Ugh. to me, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't you, mind you, you changing you your that like the hair. <laughs> but you know, I don't mind that. But it's that over. God, yeah. God, I feel yeah, I feel. Damn, I, just, I know, I know what you talk about, love. I, Look, I just came back from Paris, right? I was, I, just, in, I was in Paris a couple of weeks ago, and um, you know, like I don't know what the deal is over there right now, but um, man, yo, you know, them, them dudes is wearing some painted orange jeans, like, mm. damn, bro, what's what's up? Like, you know, and the, the cats though, like, they on the corner selling hash and shit, you know, like they 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 thugs in their mind, but. I don't know what that, you know, what that image is of themselves, whatever, but damn, you mm. know, but, you know, but <laughs> what's going on in their head ain't what I'm looking at. So I don't even know how to even deal with that. Like, I don't even know how to pro. I just know that me, that's not my, my speak. You know what I mean? So that's all, that's where it stopped at from me. I don't even, I don't even want to judge it or none of, like, none of that, but I'm just still trying to figure it like, how did you, how, you know, but so I feel what you're saying. I just don't know even where to put that sometimes. I just like, damn, is that the effect of the media so hardcore that that has become normalized to a point to where people don't even see that a certain line might be getting crossed or something? You know, I don't know what that is. You know, a lot of cats wearing skirts and stuff, but and they 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 they, they having explanations for that shit. Like, you know, I think it's a thing going on right now with like Malik Yoba and somebody else and um. One of the rappers is, you know, calling them out on it and you know stuff like like they having that kind of thing going on on social media. Like somebody said, I think that that's gay or something, you know, and, and some them two dudes are trying to explain how it's not or something like that, you know, that whole get down. So I, you know, it's some, some wild shit out there, but you know, that's outside of my range and my fathom ability because I'm from a, mm-hmm. kind of like the old school in that regard, but. I don't know what to do with that, but I just know that I, that ain't how I get down, you know what I mean? So, but, and that's the only thing I can control is that, you know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? But the, but the people inside of that, you know, I, I can't really like throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, cause people just got their own bag that they jumping into. But I, I am curious about how that's happening and where that's coming from in that degree, that to that extent, like what the hell, you know what I'm saying? It's this dude named Irritated Genie. You can find him online. I think he's from Baltimore, um, and you know he, he talks about the 
well, just check that out. Check Irritated Genie out and, and, and just see, you know. Just, uh, <laughs> oh, just I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah. So, bro. We have... We have about 10 minutes left in the show. Um, we got to talk about the music and um, where you guys. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> um, do, yeah. This has been such a great organic conversation. That I know. We just, we, from the start, we just we missed that subject. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> <we're gone. laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I had fun with you all, you know, talking to you all. Like, that was dope for my spirit. But um, go ahead and ask the question. I'm sorry I keep burning no, uh, so okay, so we know that you're doing the '90s kickback. Um, do you guys have a new album coming out? What What's going on with the group Shy right now? Where well, you know, people. Um, I'm doing a project, a Garfield Bright Experience, like a solo project, not breaking up from Shy. Actually, Shy is encouraging me to do this. Like, yo, gee, man, people keep asking you to do a, a damn solo album. Do a, do an album. So I'm I'm gonna do this one album. I, it ain't no solo career and no shit like that. I just, I'm going to put together like 20 songs. I'm going to let the, the fans choose them because I'm going to put out snippets on my on my Instagram and let people like rate them and judge them. And whatever gets the top ones, I'm going to make that be the album that they pick and then I'm going to give it for free. I'm going to give it out for free. Like, you know, the album that they pick, they're going to have it called the Garfield Light Experience. And I end up doing shows yeah. because I, my product, my product is going to be, you know, be cool and stuff like that. But I'm going to go to Paris. I met some dope, um, a dope engineer and producer who, who who's incredible. I just did a um a couple of weeks ago I was in Paris and I did a, a collab with this dude named Papa London um out there and um I was with my boy Earl. You can look him up on um social media, Urban Wall Street is his name and you can get some of the footage and see what we're doing for the Black Excellence Tour is what we're doing. We're going around different countries and highlighting black excellence. Like the average lay person who might not get no media pub who's doing big things. We're finding these people, and we're actually creating the documentaries and calling them the Black Excellence Tour, where we having them speak their truths and what they're into, and you know what, what their stories are, you know, and the culmination of those stories and stuff like that. So Paris, um, Netherlands, um, Ireland, we got to go to South Africa um, next year, and, and you know, just different places. So Black Excellence Tour, but um, but musically, I'm gonna go over there and create um, some more stuff. And add it to, I got about 20 songs already. I'm going to add maybe like 20 more. And out of the 40, I'm going to pick the top 20, but well, based on what people pick. And then, you know, put that out there. But it's going to be an eclectic blend of music and stuff like that. And Shy, you know, we you know, we just perform in our catalog, man. People want to hear that old delicious stuff that we put out. You know, the Baby I'm Yours, the Comforter, the Together, whatever place we belong, If I Were Falling in Love, and that kind of stuff. So we just, you know, we still giving them that. Um, but um, yeah, Garfield is about to put out. You know, I'm about to put out some stuff um, coming up very shortly. Um, by the beginning of the next year, it should be ready to go. And I'm trying to create these listening parties because what I want to do is I want to have three cities that I physically am at for listening party. But I want to have an online situation where I give a text, you know, those text codes, and people can like text the the song, the snippets that they like, and rate them from one to five until why you hate it or love it. And as they're texting it, it'll also appear on the screen in the live place that I'm at having a listening party. And the people who are there can look at that screen and see all the comments and what they people like, what people don't like. And they'll also be there rating it too. And I'll get a real cool amalgamation of songs that people have loved. And I'll be able to basically, um, you know, actually film those parties and create an interlude. My interludes are going to come from those live parties and have those on the album. And then you'll have some cool cuts. It's going to be ballads, some mids, some ups, some surprises that you might not 
you know what I'm saying, be expecting in terms of song styles. Um, the one I did in Paris was something called Afro Trap. <laughs> but it actually turns out that that's some like a jazzy, kind of like up-tempo jazzy, French-speaking, half-French, half-English kind of, you know, thing that I, you know, kind of collab with this guy on. And, but anyway, just expect some cool stuff coming up soon for me. I'm I'm, I'm working on it. And um, it's, it's shaping up to be something I actually I like, something I and on my Instagram TV, I'm about to start. I, well, I just did. I just filmed it. But I have my, I have these top ten collaborations that I would like to see. And um, you know, um, I'm editing it now. And um, you know, it's these interesting collabs that I wish these people would collaborate in their life. You know, in music to put out an album or at least a single. And I got my top ten. And then you know, people can actually tell me what they like or dislike about it. And then ask me other questions about other topics, political and otherwise. And now I have my top ten responses. And, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, all those different things are things to look for. But definitely go on my IG and you'll start seeing some of those things pop up within the next, you know, week or so. Oh, man, you're going to have me back on social media. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> how can we find you on IG? Oh, it's the Garfield Bright Experience, the same as my, my album is going to be. Okay. And you'll see, okay. like, you know, I got I got a big curly afro and a red white beater, a red tank top. Shouldn't say white beard, but I got a red tank top on, and uh, that's the picture. So you'll know it's me as soon as you, you know, the Garfield bite experience. All I'm looking words. right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll download yeah. IG back onto my phone. I guess. Hey, we, oh, we, just <laughs> thing, um, we just did this thing for Mother's Day on VH1. If you got on demand, you can uh-huh. watch it. Um, the artist, her. Her um, uh-huh. mother actually, um, Shy and SWV are like two of her favorite groups. So her. But the the show was kind of centered around her this year, the Dear Mama thing that VH1 does every year. And so they uh, brought us out there, and we performed at Five of Fall in Love, you know, for her. And Ashanti was there, T.I. was there, like Sierra, like all, you know, Monica, all these people, you know, it was a big event stuff. We just did it a couple of weeks ago. So you'll see, Shy, we got our little temptation, fighting temptations, looking tuxes on, because my mom, you know, for Mother's Day, she hates that, you know, we don't really dress up no more. We just wear, like, what we feel as grown men we should wear but I, for my mama I put a little tux on and he, I didn't wear the bow tie though you know I just threw the blazer on and the slacks you know? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and now my hair is big because when I was in Atlanta going to Georgia State dudes couldn't fade me right man they couldn't cut my hair right they was always putting little dentists mm-hmm. in my you know I got curly hair or whatever <laughs> and so they they couldn't fade me so I just let my stuff grow it's been like two years now now I got just this big old huge people think I'm Lloyd's father or something you know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, it's just big, you know, big hair right now, but you'll see me. But I yeah, we have fun. I'm over here. I'm stopping your page right now. Oh, you checking me out over here? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm checking you me. out right now. I see you. I see you. I see you. I mm-hmm. see you. I'm over here. Yeah, I'm I over here looking work, right now. Man. I appreciate you working, man. Much work in the community. I Thanks, my man. I, I appreciate yeah. you, you know, giving me that. I, I thank you for that, man. I'm gonna I'm keep on keeping on, man. You know, gotta do something yeah, with this, man. with this life. No, yeah. All, All right. I really appreciate you. And it's not a you just the, say a radio, a part of the D Hour Network family. You come on the show. It's not just like what did you say? Oh, I got to interview. I got to do this thing. No, you family. And it's we have real we. 
we human. And I think earlier in the show you were saying, well, Maxwell been through shit. We all been through shit. We all got a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And we have to That's share right. our stories because we all going through it. And yep. plant seeds to help motivate, you know what I'm saying, and help get people yep. different options. You know, that's what we do. Say radio. I'm Miss Sandy. We had Garfield from Shots. Dropped a lot of seeds. We got Nicole. We got Dragon Slayer. Mondays, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Big ups. Big ups. Big ups. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all the realest. Y'all the realest. All right. Tell me your mind just said, yeah. play the song over plan. Yeah. Speaking on the world, speaking on the topic. Y'all better not be flocking. No. Should know how we rocking. If you got any statements, then you better leave a comment. Just say it, 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 just